Good day, podcast listeners. Everyone, say hi to the listeners. Hi! Okay. So, before I explain the mechanics, we'll give a flower to each one of you and also chocolate. Raise the flower if you want to answer the question, okay? We'll be doing question and answer, but this time, everyone gets to speak. Every team gets to speak. With each question, you can earn points and you can buy these snacks depending on how much points you have in your team. The points will, you will earn depends on the difficulty of the question and your answer. But first, we will introduce, you, we will introduce our poems to you, guys. So first, what team names would you want to give? Hello, Menate! No problem! The Dragon Warriors. 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 Lion Tiger. Okay, your team. Ayana. The Rars and the Power Rangers. The Rars and the Power Rangers. Okay, okay, okay. Team Nolan Lion. Team Rars. Yeah. Let's keep Power Rangers. Power Rangers. The first poem. Go lovely, Rose. By Edmund Waller. Can someone please read this poem for the podcast listeners? Alright, hey podcast listeners. So this is Go Lovely Rose. Go Lovely Rose. Tell her the ti- that wastes her time and me. That now she knows. When I resemble her to thee. How sweet and fair she seems to be. Tell her that's young. And shuns to have her graces spied. That hadst thou sprung. In deserts where no men abide. Though must have uncommended de- died, those have uncommended died. Oops. Small is the worth, worth of beauty from the light retired. Bid her come forth, suffer herself to be desired, and not blush so to be admired. Then die, that she, the common fate of all things rare, may read in thee how small a part of time they share that are so wondrous, sweet, and fair. Okay, thank you, Zeke. So, first question. What do you guys think the first stanza mean? Yeah, I believe that the first stanza means it's just an introduction to the girl she's referring to and that she's describing how uh, she is. Like, how fair and, sh- fair and sweet she is. Okay, good. Like, he's like saying she's like a lovely rose, and telling her she's like he's saying like she's like a uh, the girl he's is like a, is his rubbing like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, she's say, he's saying uh, she's sweet and fair, and yeah, lovely rose. Thank you, teams. Uh, the best answer are these two groups. So both of you will receive five points. Power Rangers and Roar. Okay. <laughs> So the first stanza actually means that this rose is, is for the man, the woman that he loves. Then he asked the rose that she should be not, not wasting time. So Edmund Waller, Edmund Waller hopes the flowers, beauty, and it, and love it presents will encourage the woman to accept his advances. It is not only her, her time is not is wasting, but also Edmund Waller's. Then in the third four, in the third and fourth line. When I assemble her to thee, how sweet and fair she seems to be. He compares the beauty of the flower and her, and he wants her to understand that her beauty 
is just as a, is just as attractive as the flower. Okay, so the second stanza. What do you guys think the second stanza mean? Uh, I believe that the second stanza probably means that many men are after her, and that her, like I said, entrance to have her graces spied. Maybe men spy on her and then. Yeah. What? What? Wait. No. All right. Let's not go with that. Okay. Hello, po- hello, podcast listeners. Names Lance. So I believe that this the message of the second of the second stanza. The first part starts starts with tell her that's young and shuns to have her graces spied. Means that like she's a bit shy. And that the second and also the second stanza means that there there have been a lot of people who tried to win her of men who tried to win her affections to no avail. So the the meaning is tell her that's young and shun and shuns to have grace and grace her her grace spied. So it means tell her that somebody who's young that turns turns their back on letting people see their beauty. It is like she is refusing to let him admire her. Like, she runs from people from seeing her beauty. And then he gives a metaphor. That hats those sprung in deserts where no man abide. Thou must have uncommended died. It is like a rose, rose growing in a desert where nobody lives will die. But not because it lacks water, but it, but it is because it lacks appreciation. Like he's saying that he, he's, she is wasting her time, beauty and grace by hiding in the desert. Okay, so there, guys, you know, um, uh, it's it's being explained very well. So try to take note of it so far, you know, it's it's a guy is sending a girl a rose, okay, and kind of what the message is of that rose. And the first one, as this group said, no, um, these both these two groups said this. Yeah, obviously, when you send a girl something beautiful, it's because you're saying she's beautiful, sad, okay. I'm sending you this beautiful thing because you are beautiful also. And then the second thing, um, as um, this group, um, Lance's group said, no, um, they said, um, this girl is shy, all right? She has a tendency to be shy. She doesn't like a lot of attention from boys, but she's beautiful, so she gets a lot of attention from boys, but she doesn't like it. She, she kind of hides herself. She kind of gets away from all of that. So keep the, that in mind as you move on to the third and fourth stanza, all right? And I believe you know Amrar group, you're the ones who... They were the ones, no? At, at some point, she loses her beauty, but he still says that it's not worth a lot. And just like flowers, they tend to lose their beauty at some point, and they decay. Small, small is the worth of the beauty from the light. You're tired. So he's not saying he's not saying a beauty has no worth. What type of beauty doesn't have worth? Okay, yeah. What kind of beauty does has no value? I think the. I think the answer to the question is looks or physical. No. no? Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you, yeah. Look up. Small is the worth Small of beauty from the light retired. Uh, I believe when a person becomes bad. Oh, okay. Let's not do that. <laughs> what kind of beauty that? What, when does when is when does beauty have no value? Okay. Oh. Okay, so physical isn't the answer. No, sure. Okay. Because physical beauty has value. It's not the most important thing, but it has value. 
Last, last, Sorry, Dark. You there is no value in beauty that is hidden from the light and nobody can see. Beauty has no value if it's hidden. Oh. And then what's her issue, man? Her issue is what? She's shy. She's shy. So he's saying, I'm her, you're so beautiful, but you're hiding yourself. Bid her come forth, suffer herself to be desired. So bid her, ask her to come out of hiding place, to come, to come forward to allow herself to be desired by me. And not be blushed, so to be admired. So it means that, that not to be embarrassed because she is being admired. Um, guys, it's so kilig. It's such a kilig poem, no? Because he's sending her this rose. But it's not just like, Oi, I'm sending you something beautiful because you're beautiful. No, it's deeper than that. His message to her is deeper than that. Now, you, you're very shy. You don't like being admired. But that is, you have to do that. Since you are beautiful, you have to be desired. You have to be admired. So, Murag, accept it na lang. Murag, don't be, let me desire you. Let me admire you. It's very, very kilig good. Okay? It's a very kilig poem good. He's saying, you're beautiful. Ayaw! You accept the admiration that you get from guys like me, no? Ngamurag, you suffer yourself, suffer herself to be desired. Because usually, being desired is a good thing, right? So he's saying, ayaw, enjoy it. You have to go through it because you're beautiful. And not blush so to be admired. Let me admire you. Let me desire you. Allow us to feel that way about you. You can't hide yourself forever. That stands up. Then die that she, the common fate of all things rare, may read in thee, how small a part of, of time they share, that are so wondrous, sweet and fair. So any volunteers? Wait, he raised the hand before you. I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'll give chance. Wait, no! Darren, Darren, okay. Yeah, because my 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 answers they're gonna be wrong anyways. <laughs> So basically, I believe that this stands out. Basically, talks um, about the ending of the, um, both people, like how, how, <laughs> how they, the lit, how little time they shared, and that the end of the wondrous, sweet, and fair things they had ended. Okay, let's not do that. <laughs> well, like, in the last stanza, I think it means like when she was gone, at least she was able to share a part of her beauty to him, or like she was about to sh share the wondrous sweet and, to and spend fair. spend time with him, and he was able to witness such beauty. I believe that the final poem is less about share is less about him sharing the woman sharing something with him, and more about her sharing a common fate with a lot of th beautiful things. I think all beautiful things have one have. Many beautiful things in this earth have something common amongst them. They are fleeting. They will fade. Mr. Waller basically saying that she's kind of one of them. Something that will fade one day. Okay, so I'll be explaining. Then die. In this part, he's saying to, to, to he is talking to the rose. He's saying that after after you send a message to her, then you die. That she, the common of fate, the common fate of all things rare, may read in thee, so that she will, she will see that these rare and beautiful things, or beautiful roses, died, so that let her be afraid that 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 it that if same thing will happen to her, because because to her time on earth being beautiful, being being a beautiful being is limited. 
How small a part of time they share that are so wondrous, sweet and fair. So it means that there's only small time, it's only a small time of living or to or share her beauty and her grace. We are limited. This poem good it it really brings you into the psychology or the reason of the very very long tradition of men giving flowers to girls okay men giving flowers to women no it's very very common that always happens no this explains why we do that okay first it's to tell them that they're beautiful okay we give girls beautiful things because we find them beautiful and beautiful things should go to beautiful beings all right that's the first level of the psychology of giving flowers okay second level is it encourages them you like admiring this beautiful thing we like admiring you as well so don't be too shy allow yourself to be desired allow yourself to be admired and the final thing is when the flower dies it's a reminder to them life is short Take a chance on me. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Today, I am in love with you. Today, I want to be with you. You take that chance, son. Okay? So that is the psychology of giving girls flowers. All right? And what makes it, what makes it very unique? Um, because, you know, uh, th this poem, I think, is very unique, good, particularly in what I was going to ask in the first question. No? So points to whoever can answer this. Who is the poet talking to in this poem? Darren. Sayo. I know. Yes. So I believe this poem is un is unique in that Mr. Waller is talking to the rose, which he which he sent to the girl. Very good. Actually, you guys know he's not talking to the he's not talking at all to the girl in this poem. He's talking to the rose that he's sending. The rose is like a soldier, no? Okay, go, lovely rose. This is what you tell her. It's a very unique love poem because it's not addressed to the one he loves. It's addressed to the one he is sending. It's addressed to the object that he's sending to this girl. Alright, so give them points for that now since they got that um, right. Hi guys, uh, so today I'll be showing you my poems and asking you questions about my poems. So, I have two poems. First will be Cherry Rep. So, the writer of Cherry Rep was Thomas Campion, who was born in London and was a writer for Cherry Rep. Cherry Rep was one of his most famous poems that was published in 1617. So, who wants to read my poem? There is a guard. There's a garden in your face where roses and white lilies blow. A heavenly paradise is that place wherein all pleasant fruits do flow. Their cherries grow which none may buy till cherry ripe themselves themselves do cry. Those cherries fairly do enclose of orient pearls a double row, which when her lovely laughter shows, they look like rosebuds filled with snow. Yet them nor peered nor prince can buy Till cherry ripe themselves do cry Her eyes like angels watch them still Her brows like bended bows do stand Threat threatening with piercing frowns To kill all that attempt with eye or hand Those sac sacred cherries to come nigh Till cherry ripe themselves do cry I believe that in this first stanza, it basically just talks about 
how the how attractive the girl is and like her how oh, how nice, how attractive her face is and how appealing her face is. What issue is comparing her face to? Uh, it's it. Okay, yeah, it's Dylan lang, so that's a bit too quick. Okay, so it's basically talking about how looking at her face is like looking at the heavenly paradise in her garden, and uh, yeah, and how he puts so much detail to it. Yeah, like there's cherries growing, there's like nice flower, uh, pleasant fruits, and white where roses and white lilies. So he's basically saying that it's. Her, her face is so pretty, it's like looking at the heavenly garden. Because all three stanzas are kind of saying the same thing then, okay? So maybe a better, because really it's just him describing how Bomba she is good, okay? But what makes it, what, what is the other level to this? Like, like, because it's not just you're so pretty. There's another thing that's being kind of, there's another thing that's being expressed. Not just the oh, I, I want her, she's so pretty. There's always something stated. And it's in the title itself, no cherry ripe. What does that mean? Um I believe that like the it's in the title channel? Uh, cherry ripe. Okay, they left! question? Apart from him saying how beautiful she is, how much he desires her, what else is there in the poem? Uh, Particularly in terms of the title, Cherry Ripe. Can you give me like two seconds? One, two. One, Mississippi, two. Okay. Um, it, like w him calling her cherry ripe, like he's she because when a strawberry when a cherry isn't ripe, it's not lame, but yeah, it's not ready, and it's like it's like growing up, like when you're ready, then you, you know when you are. So when it says cherry ripe, he knows that she's ready. Ready, not ready, not ready. Not ready. Oh, not ready. Okay, sing it. Let's go with the Not ready. She's not ready yet to yeah, accept yeah. love. Yet. Yes. So even though she has like when will he know she's ready? <laughs> when when the cherry is ripe. Yeah, when 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 what is his tell for that? Can I, can I give the question to Lance? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. Okay. But he deserves some points for that. I agree. I believe that the cherry <laughs> I believe that the the Cherry ripe is like a bit of a metaphor for coming of age. I think the girl is just is a bit too young, so he's waiting. He's waiting. Very good. When will he? Act? When she's of age. Yeah, but when does he know she's of age? Like, like, what is his tell, Because what's really nice about this guy, you know, is that he desires her. He has a desire for her, you know? Pero he's kind of holding on. Be until what? What will be his go sign that he can act on his desires now for her? When, when will he act? I think that he's waiting for her until she experiences love. No, because that's what she's not ready for yet. She's not ready for his love yet. 
and he's just waiting for her to be ready, no? But when will he know, man? Think about it, guys. Very important. If you like a girl, but she, but she's okay. not ready yet. When When she's mature enough? Yeah, but when do you know? No. Yeah. Uh, when she, when she's ripe. When she is ripe. <laughs> when, when she starts acting different towards you and everything like that. Like, like she, she acts different. Like when, when, like. She when starts she's to show right. interest. Shut up! There are the girls there. When she's right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. When she's right. But how do you know she's right? Um, when she thinks that she's ready to experience love. Guys, that's it. Listen good to it, huh? The, their cherries grow, which none may buy. Till cherry ripe themselves do cry. He only knows she's ready. If she'll say, you know what, I'm ready. Go after me. That's when he'll act, okay? This is actually very, very ahead of its time, guys, no? Ngamurag, it does have a level of, it addresses the issue of consent, even in you pursuing a girl, ba? Ngamurag, dili ngamurag, she's ready naman, she just doesn't know it yet, okay? That, that is a thing a lot of guys fall into. Nga, no, she's ready naman. She just hasn't langyud met me yet, okay? She doesn't know she's ready. But this one says, nga, no, a girl knows when she's ready. She is the best judge to say, nga, okay, I'm ready to fall in love. And when she actually says that, then the guy will pursue her. Oh? Yet them, nor peer, nor prince can buy till cherry ripe themselves do cry. Okay, and then final, oh? Those sacred cherries do come nigh till cherry ripe themselves do cry. Okay? It's very important. And it shows that this guy, he doesn't only love this girl, no? He respects her. Alright? And that's a good thing to have in a love poem. Okay? Yes! We're going to my second poem, which is red, a red, red rose. <laughs> so Robert Ber Robert Burns was born around se the, in the 1700s. He was a man who was popular with women, and he also got all women through how he wrote his poetry. So they were in love with him because of his, of his poetry. He was also known as a pre-romantic poet, and he was also known as a Scotland's national poet. He wants romantic poets in the future to look back at his poems and get inspiration from him. As Gab, as Gab mentioned, no, Robert Burns, he's Scotland's poet good. And he is known good. He was he was very he was good looking. He was very romantic, and because of that, he had a lot of girls good. Grabby good. Um like he he really had a lot of girls. He fathered a lot of babies, okay? Um, he populated half of Scotland, joke. But, <laughs> but he had good a lot of children, no? Um, he was very, very, like, um, he was a womanizer. But not Lord Byron levels of grossness, no? But he did have a lot of girls good. Because of not only how good looking he was, but also what a good poet he was said good, okay? And this is one of his poems, A Red Red Rose. Oh my loose like a red red rose that's newly sprung in June. Oh my loose like a melody that's sweetly played in tune. As fair as though my bony lass, so deep in love am I. And I will love thee still, my dear, till of the seas gang dry. Till of the seas gang dry, my dear, and the rocks melt with the sun. I will love thee 
tell, my dear, while the sands all life shall run. And fare thee well, my only Lou, and fare thee well a while, and I will come again, my Lou, though it were ten thousand miles. Okay, guys, this is not a poem that you have to analyze. No, it's it's very straight to the point. It's very easy. He's just talking about how much he loves this girl and like she's so pretty. It, it's it's really good. Like this is one poem good. If it were a genre of music, what do you think would it fall into? I think that's an interesting romance is a genre of music. Like if it were a type of song, but what type of song would it be? If you look at it, read it off, what kind is it like you you ask yourself like when someone compare this to Go Lovely Rose or to Cherry Rhyme, this this has a very different feeling to it. Okay, it has a very different vibe to it, no? Who can explain that? What makes this kind of different from the other poems we took up so far? Think of, read it, read it again, okay? What makes it different from all the other poems? Even in our discussion of it, why is it different from our other, from the other poem? Think about it. Oh, because, no, really, whenever I take a red, red rose up, it's very different from all our other discussions, no? And then I want to kind of, you to discuss that. It's very cliche and it's also like straight to the point. But okay, na lang. Okay. I get the points for that. It's true, right, guys? It's so simple. It's so cliche. Okay, it's so straight to the point. There's no deep metaphors in it. There's no. It's just an expression of I like you, like yeah, we're again, we're yeah, I like you. It's so like that. It's it's. I would even call it shallow. I would call it shallow, no. A little insight into my personal insight into Robert Burns. Probably a very shallow man, considering that he's got a, had a lot of women in his life. Um, and that's without the doubt, guys. No, he wrote fluffy love poetry. Good. It's fluff. Good. Okay. It's candy. It's not like she was a phantom of delight, right? It's like about this lifelong connection with someone. No, it's not about like um. It, it, it's it's so unlike several of our love poems, which are so deep and so intense. This is a light good, and it doesn't really surprise us, no, because he was known to be a womanizer. Good, he would get girls' attention and then um, be with them for a very short time and then move on. As Aimee said, no, it feels cliche. It feels short. Can you guys know if it were a genre of music, good, no? It's like a pop song, good, okay? And even here, oh, um, oh my love's like a red, red rose that's newly sprung in June. Oh my love's like a melody that's sweetly played in tune. It's almost childlike. It's very simple to understand. It's a pop song. And sometimes you do need poetry like that. Like, it's just light. You don't need, like, you know, it to be super deep. Now you discuss it for hours. Poetry can be short and pop and bubblegum. Okay? It can be like that. Said good. Okay? And as long as that's not the only poems we're reading in this class, then we're fine. It's a different flavor. It's a different experience. Good. Okay? Because that's the point of it. Good. It's shallow. It can apply to anyone. Okay? Like, it can apply to any person, good, any girl. And a lot of pop songs, guys, are written like that. Okay? It's written that every girl can relate to it. Every girl can get killing with it. It's meant for the masses, good. And that's what Robert Burns wanted to do with his poetry. It's not deep. It's not a deep poem. The point of this is that bubble... 
poetry can be bubblegum, poetry can be candy. That's the point of this poem. <clears throat> so the next poem we are going to be talking about is Bright Star by John Keats, teaching Ong's favorite poem. One of. Oh, well, one of, teaching Ong's favorite poem. Oh, no, they're on the same page! It's like I have a dark song. So, a little background of John Keats that I would like you guys to remember before you would read and analyze the poem. So, John Keats was actually born into this world with not a very happy life. His, his father died and then his mother left him. And then when he started writing poetry, a lot of people criticized him. And he died at a young age as well. And he actually fell in love before he died with a girl named Fanny Brown. Fanny Brown. Keep in mind, again, the beautiful thing about poetry, guys. In order to appreciate poetry, remembering that this came from a human being, no? And as Aliana said, this was a human being who ever since his birth had a difficult life, good. Alright? Um, he had a difficult birth, he had a difficult childhood, he had a difficult career as a poet. He finally fell in love with someone and then he died before he could spend the rest of his life with her. He died young. Okay, so you have to keep in mind that John Keats was as real and as alive as we were once. Good. And this is, these are his words and his emotions. So in reading it and interpreting it, keep that in mind. Don't lose the humanity of of these poets yet. So, Bright Star. Bright Star, would I were steadfast as thou art, thou, thou art, not in lone splendor hung aloft the night, and watching with eternal lids apart. Like nature's patient, sleepless eremite, the moving waters as at their priest-like task of pure ablution, ablution round earth's human shores, or gazing on the new soft fallen mass of snow upon the mountains and moors. No, yet still steadfast, still unchangeable, pillowed upon my fair love's ripening breast, to feel forever its soft fallen swell, awake forever in a sweet unrest, still, still to hear her tender taken bath, breath, breath. And so live ever, or else soon to death. Okay, so the first stanza, this is a question I would like to ask to everyone without, no, with no points, no points, just a general question. What do you think it means? I believe the first stanza is about him wishing that he was like a star. Like, he, he, he doesn't want to be, he wants to be eternal. I think he probably knew he was dying. How did he die again? So no, he wrote this before he got sick though. But sometimes guys, poetry bayak sometimes can almost work like prophecy. Do you know this? In several poems, but they're almost like prophecies of what will happen to the poets. Like to see Percy B. Shelley, Indian Serenade, his poetry, it came true almost, which I think is part of the magic of poetry. Anyway, so it says, Bright star, wherever steadfast as thou art, not in one splendor hung aloft the night. So, he's saying that 
she wants to be like the star, as Lance said, but in what way? Yeah, in what way does he want to be like Why a star? Why does he want to be like a star? First reason is like I think he wants to live longer and I and the other one like um he wants to be looked up upon or something as a star. <laughs> no? Okay. So I believe one reason that why he wants to be a star is because so that she can he can look after her or like look down. <laughs> 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 listen, listen to the line. It's bright star where I as steadfast as thou. What's steadfast? Like steady, constant. I feel like one one uh one reason why he wants to be a star is that he's not going to be alone. Yeah, that's the first reason. That's the second reason. The first reason is um the first reason is basically because um he wants to be consistent with her. Like loyal, yeah, loyal, consistency. So, the meaning of this, or the reason why he wants to be like the star, is because he wants to be constant. He he, so he compares this girl to the star, and he wants to be constant and steadfast like the girl, but he doesn't want to be lonely. I, I think he wants to be constant. He wants to be there. Um, he wants to be present. Um, and that's such an odd thing to write in a poem, no? Now, he doesn't want to be great. He doesn't want to be like the greatest poet that ever lived. He just wants to be there. He wants to be. He wants to exist. Okay? But he wants to exist not alone. He wants to be like in the stars. You know, when you look up at the star, you never only see one star. Okay? There's always other stars around it. He doesn't want to be alone. He doesn't want to be lonely. No? Or you can also see it. Now, I don't want to be like a star because the stars are usually, if you look at it in a space angle they're so far apart from each other they're like so like they're a star is in a way alone and it's so far away so mark he doesn't want to be alone okay he wants to be constant but he wants to be constant with someone okay and that's just the first two lines it's so gorgeous good before we move on who do you think he's comparing the star to just anyone say it out loud the girl, yes, Fanny, Fanny Brown. So the next two lines are actually just them watching the world, the star watching the world. That's just actually the the second part. So, but the third part it transitions from looking at the at the hold on, looking at the moving waters and the mountains to to him saying this. No, yet still steadfast, still unchangeable, pillowed upon my fair lover's, uh, my fair love's ripening breast, to feel forever. It's not soft fall and swell. Awake forever in this sweet unrest. So, what do you think this part means? Like, why did he transition from? My question is, why did he transition from the great mountains and the great waters of the world to this, this moment? 
It's a very nice way. You stated the question very well, no? Can you get so listen to how beautiful it is? So, and sometimes there's some poems and you don't have to analyze every single line. You just have to be swept up in the beauty of the language, no? Um, listen, no? and watching with eternal lids apart. So they're both watching this view, no? And watching with eternal lids apart, like nature's patient, sleepless eremite. The moving waters at their priest-like task of pure ablution round Earth's human shores, or gazing on the new soft-fallen mask of snow upon the mountains and the moors. No, yet still steadfast, still unchangeable. I like uh, what Aliana said, it goes from kind of viewing the universe, no? the tides, the mountains, and then all of a sudden it shifts at the end of the poem to something else. And then, what was your question? Like, how? Like, what does it mean? Like, like, why did he shift from this, from the universe, from watching the world to just a moment? To this one moment. One moment. Mm. And what is that one moment? What power? Like, yeah, Murag, What? Why would he do that? But why would the poet go from being awake and watching like the the universe moving, no, the oceans, tides changing, the mountains standing? All of a sudden. It goes from this huge view of the universe to this one moment. Like, what's the, what effect does that have on us as readers, you know, or listeners of the poem? What is he saying by doing that? I believe it's because the things that he said before the not yet still test, I feel like he, I believe he means that none of those were reality. And it, it was just like something he wanted. He wanted to do, but it wasn't real. I'm not sure about my answer, but anyway, my point is is that even if he describes the universe and its beauty, his perspective of the girl will never change. I think that perhaps like Mr. Keats, he sees that ever that the whole universe is beautiful, but he'd rather enjoy it with the girl with the his loved one. So the answer to this question is why he shifted from that to from the watching the world to that one moment. That one moment is actually a moment with her. He wants to be steadfast or he is steadfast with her and he's he's saying that um, there's so many things in the world over there, but he just wants that moment with her. He's weigh it's like a weighing scale, ba. Now on one hand, he's like, look at the universe, or the mountains, the oceans. Pero he chooses to be in this one temporary moment with this girl instead. Now for him, that single moment, he wants to be there as opposed to him viewing the the entire universe but kind of the oceans and the mountains more like this has for him more weight he would rather choose to be with her in this moment not good to be with her for life to be with her in this one singular moment so the effect it has on the readers is like wow how precious monday is this moment how grabby how intense is this moment and he chooses it over kind of the entire world ba he chooses this one moment so grabby it puts so much expectation on us as readers nga, how awesome is this moment gonna be so now that we're talking about this moment i would actually like to ask a question is this moment peaceful so 
stars stars are um, they're always awake and their light always shines until they die remember that when you answer this question stars are always awake and the only time when they're not is when they're gone or when their light is gone so is this moment peaceful you read this this line to feel forever it's soft fall and swell awake forever in a sweet unrest is this peaceful ah uh, i believe that this is peaceful can you, ex- can you explain Lisa, what you think the moment is like what do you think is this moment um uh, I believe that this moment is that both of them um, are together now, and then it's peaceful. They're together, part. and then what? Like it's more than that. Like what's happening? Like they're just sitting down. No, they're basically living the life together. they're living a peaceful life together. No, no, no. It's not life. It's a moment. Uh, it's not him talking about their entire life together. You know, it's about one particular moment. What's happening in this one particular? Us, they, <laughs> sure, they sleep in one bed. Yeah, they're they're kind of like they're they're not doing anything weird. Yeah, it's very the feeling is very pure, man. No? but they are kind of together. Yes. Okay, and then more they're kind of the nights passing, and then what man? They're spending a night together, not in a sexual way, huh? But they're kind of spending a romantic night together. And then, how is it described, man? Pillowed upon my starlove's ripening breast. What is, like, what is, like... They're hugging each other. They're hugging each other. Fudge. More like, he's kind of pillowed on her chest over her heart. Okay? It's very beautiful. Pillowed upon my starlove's ripening breast. You know? To feel forever in soft fall and swell. Because he's resting over her heart, he can feel her breathing. Can I get guys know? And this is it with John Keith. Poetry, you know, it's so intimate. It's yeah. so intimate. Romantic. You almost I... feel like, should I be here? Like that's your feeling sometimes when you read this poetry. More more awkward when I'm here. I feel like I why was I invited to this? Yes. They're just cuddling each other yeah. in front of me. But that's how kind of intimate this moment is. Yeah. Okay. And then your answer was, is that peaceful? In that moment, yes. is he peaceful? It is peaceful. Does yes. anyone have another answer to that? Uh, I the moment is peaceful, but like, it's inside. His heart is un- like unrest. It's just over here, but like, that's what it's for me. Lang, if I was him, my heart would be like flooded with like a lot of emotion of like happiness and stuff. And even though it is peaceful, like it has like a, a really nice like like a sun. It's not like really like really like uh steady or something it's like it has like a lot of flame into it but and stuff like that uh that's my, my answer the answer to the question is actually it's not peaceful because if you read this and if you read the last line I mean, it's not peaceful he's he's awake forever in a sweet unrest do you think that's peaceful because guys think about it huh? it sounds peaceful right 
right? It sounds peaceful now, you know. It's fun. It's, it's, it's like bedtime. It's cuddle time. Okay, and you're like with the person you love and it's so cozy. Okay, but really think about it though. If you were with a girl you really like and you're that close to each other, you may look peaceful, but how would you feel on the, on the inside? You wouldn't be relaxed. You would be so like... What Aimee said, no joyful and like, you know, like, it's so, you're not rested, but you're so like, you're feeling everything at that, in that moment. Good. I think I can receive some points. He did answer well, but yeah, even though if he was wrong about the peaceful part. Two, two, two points. Two So the last, the last question is running out of time. Um, did this poem end happily or tragically? Because if you read the last line, still, still hear her tender taken breath, and so live forever or else swoon to death. Is did it end happily or tragically? This poem ends with death. And yeah. But you said it ended not remember. It ends with death because like he immortalized this moment that he lost. Because he died, he was supposed to marry the girl, but he actually ended up dying. Um, so he immortalized this moment in this poem, the moment that he lost, and he envies immortality. But he is, you know, ha at least he's happy to be with the girl that he loves in this moment. Yeah, that's the thing, guys. It's a hard question, no? Like, does it end happily or tragically? It's joyful in a way. He did capture this moment, good. He immortalized this moment, no? This this night, Nyamurag, in a sweet unrest, no? And I can talk about how beautiful this poem is for hours, good. Because it's also nice, yeah, the first part of the poem was him looking at things. And in the last part of the poem, his eyes are closed, but he's not sleeping the eye because he can't sleep. But um, it does end good with kind of a foreboding message nga? death it says death and we know what happened to him nga? he didn't good after such a struggle he finally won her and yet he died before they could even get married good okay um but it is joyful in that he immortalized this moment so again good no big thing in poetry is carpe diem seize the day write about those moments that make you feel alive no before you aren't alive anymore but i will say it does have a sense of tragedy in it pa. and then we'll go to john for the final poem so for two points can someone please read uh, the poem for me okay, sonic kay. sonic didn't really contribute pa. hi guys so i'm gonna read when you are old when you are old and gray and full of sleep are nodding by the fire take down this book and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once, and of their shadow, shadows deep, how many loved your moments of glad grace, and loved your beauty, with love false or true. But one man loved the pilgrim soul in you, and loved the sorrows of your changing face, and the bending down beside the glowing bars, murmur a little sadly how love fled and paced upon the mountains overhead and hid his face amid a crowd of stars. So okay, so thanks for reading that uh, Sonic. So we will now explain uh, lines 1 to 4. So when you are old, gray, full, and full of sleep, and nodding by the fire, take down this book 
and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of their shadows deep. So in, in the first line, what do you think the poem means or what do you think the author is talking to? I think, I think he's talking to someone uh, young who's about to get old at some point. Because everyone, everyone gets old at some point. He's explaining to like how you're gonna be handling things when you're older. So actually, the author, when you are old, you mean uh, you is referring to a girl. So the author actually wrote this for his lover when they were still young, and he also wants to tell his lover to read his poem again when she's old now. Okay, so let's go to lines three to four, and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of their shadows deep. What do you think, and slowly read and dream of the soft look your eyes had once and of the shadows deep mean? What do you think it means, basically? So it actually means that um, the author symbolized that the woman ha was once a beautiful woman. We could, we could see it because of the soft look, which means that the woman is really beautiful. She was still young, she didn't age, and she didn't have wrinkles or anything, or something like that. And, and uh, lines, line 4, uh, we can see that the woman actually aged slowly, or she's aging now. And you could see that her eyes are getting depressed, and her eyes are sagging, and, and she's getting old. So that's what it means. Um, guys, so what's so unique about this poem, Good, is that We've read so many poems about men writing about how young and beautiful their their lovers are, no? But Kami, what he's saying is he's addressing the old lady that his lover will become, okay? He's saying, Amurag, when you are old, this poem is not for the young version of you. This is for when you are old, when there are shadows in your faces, na, when there are lines in your faces. This poem is for that version of you, not for the immortally beautiful. I'm not trying to immortalize you as this young, beautiful creature forever. No, you won't be that creature forever. This poem is for when you are old. It's in the title. Alright? Hey, thank you for that, teacher. So we're gonna go to the second stanza, or it's not even a stanza. So we're gonna go to this. How many loved your moments of bad grace and loved your beauty with, fall, with love false or true, but one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. So what do you think the author is reminding her lover, or his lover? Marco. Marco. What do you think the author is reminding That even if she's encountered so many people in her life and that they've changed their opinions of her, that he'll still see the girl the same way even if she still ages in time. How many loved your moments of glad grace and loved your beauty with love false or true? But one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing faith. Uh, so basically... But this is her by looking back right? at her life. Like she's old, she's reading this poem and she's looking back at her life. What does she see? Uh, despite how many men fell for her, uh, whether it be false or true, there's still one man who loved her for who she is. Uh, 
despite kanang iyang face na ni change ni yang face why, why did the other men love her mas ha how how did all those other men love her how many loved your beauty with love false or true they basically loved her for her beauty but the man loved her for her soul who's that one man the author the poet so five points okay so yeah darren is correct and basically pilgrim means like someone who diba who travels religiously so actually the girl traveled a lot too because she was like an activist and she was really famous in Ireland. Okay, we'll move to the last lines. So and bending down beside the glowing bars, murmur a little sadly how love fled and paced upon the mountains overhead and hid his face amid a crowd of stars. What does what does it mean? I believe what she's referring to is that when she looks back, she'll see the one person who loved them and journeyed with them through life. She will. She'll remember that the poet was there with him, and she, she, and she loved her and journeyed with her. So basically, uh, the poet wants to let wants the girl to look back at her young, young youth when she was still pretty, but uh, he actually wants to make the girl regret her decision. Because the girl went with another man, and by writing this poem, he wants to let her read when she's old, and he wants to actually make her regret with her decisions. Maybe not regret, man. Can I have it? Maybe not regret, but it's because kind of good guys. They didn't end up together, good. Okay, they didn't end up together, but he does end it good. Nga. when you are old, read this, remember this, nga. I really loved you good. I loved you good. And I really like this song. Uh, um, bending down beside the glowing bars. Murmur a little sadly. He doesn't want her to be miserable. But he wants her to feel a little murag. Uh, he loved me by good, but I didn't choose him. Ba. And murmur a little sadly. Like a little. Like he just wants a little bit of pain. She didn't end up with him. Okay? How love fled and pa and paced upon the mountains overhead and hid his face amid a crowd of stars. It's actually for me, ha. I don't think he's only blaming her. I think he also feels regret. He did not pursue her as well as he wanted to. So this is kind of like the anti-carpe diem. It's like, what if you don't take the chance? What if you don't go for it? This is what you'll have. As opposed to Bright Star, they had that night together good. He got it. It's from a standpoint of victory. This poem is from a standpoint of defeat, I think. So the woman was actually named Maudgon. And she was actually a British, uh, no, Irish actress and nationalist. <gasps> nationalist means like she travels the world to, to pursue her uh, political beliefs or her political, um, you know. So she chose her career over him? Or like another guy did? Another guy. Maybe someone who could serve her career more, no? Or like. Because uh, the one she married was actually another Irish nationalist. Ah. Someone who could help her. I didn't know this, Bea. That's so cool. And then? And uh, William Yeats, which is the author, actually proposed to her four times. <gasps> but, yeah, four times. But but she, but Maudgon, or the woman, actually turned him down four times. Four times. Yeah, so, so that's just another fact, interesting fact about him. 
That's nice. Girl, it's hard guy, I think. But it can it's someone who didn't in, in a way failed, but Okay, so that is it for our <laughs> This is it for our love podcast and the winner is actually it's a tie. Huh? It's a tie. No love life. And the roar. Good night. So everyone say goodbye to the podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.